one with another. I don't know how far I'm going to get along in our lesson today, and uh, so I'll be mindful uh, to where we, uh, we stop. But it looks like we'll, we'll, we should be able to get through the bulk of it, if not all of it. And if we do, we'll turn to Galatians one time. And so you can remain in 2 Peter 2 until toward the end of the message today. 2 Peter 2 verse 1, the Bible says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you for this time. Uh, Lord, I want to publicly thank you for a perfect and errant word. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you for my salvation, the salvation of my family. Uh, Lord, everyone that is a, is a part of the body of the living Christ, Lord, I glorify thy name because of it. But Lord, I want to thank you for giving us a scripture this, this morning, giving us the, the precious word of God that we are able to use it uh, not only for faith and practice as our sole authority within faith and practice, but, Lord, as we can use it to reveal uh, what we're not to be, uh, Lord, the false doctrines taught into this world, lest we fall into that, that snare, into that trap, uh, dear God, of the traditions of men uh, and, and the rudiments of this world. So, Lord, I glorify the name of Jesus Christ, exalt his word today, and ask you, Lord, to be with us during this time of, uh, of Bible teaching this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. What a blessing, what a blessing, amen. And uh, so again, just for a brief and uh, quick review of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, because there's a great chance that we're going to finish up this verse today. This is the fourth installment uh, of, the, of the sermon series, uh, Apostates Among Us. And so there's two types of people, two classes of people in verse 1. If you remember, there are the false prophets that are mentioned, which is a reference to the Old Testament. And then there are the false teachers, okay, which is a reference to the New Testament, direct reference to us here in the church today. Uh, they will appear in this chapter as they, them, and these uh, throughout the entire chapter, but there are no real Christians in these groups. Obviously not in the false prophets, because it's referring to the Old Testament, but the false teachers of today, uh, they are not Christians. They are known as apostates. Now, Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the word apostate as false and traitorous. We know the word apostate uh, uh, comes from the word apostasy, which means to abandon, to renunciate, or to fall away. So apostates, guys, did not have salvation and lose it, just like Judas did not have salvation and, and, and lost it. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 70 and 71 says, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen twelve of you, and one of you is a devil? And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Judas uh, was a devil. I should really say Judas is a devil. Uh, he is also the son of perdition. Uh, Judas went to his own place, according to Acts chapter 1, verse 25. He will, he's in that same place in Revelation 19, 11 and Revelation 17, 8. It enables him to come back, if you will, as the Antichrist during the tribulation period. He is the son of perdition, all right, not a son of perdition. So the past two weeks, this is the fourth installment, but the past two weeks, we discussed damnable heresies that are taught uh, by apostates uh, in church, or I should say in church-like places or institutions. These doctrines, guys, these damnable heresies that we talked about, they are anti-scriptural, they are strictly man-made, and they're man-made by perverting. Now, the word pervert, guys, means to malign, if you will, uh, which comes from the word malalign. So you take something that is straight and true, say a piece of metal, and you bend it, taking it past that deformation state. Now it is deformed, thus it is maligned or maligned, it is perverted, okay? That's where that word pervert comes from. Uh, someone who is a pervert is someone who's malaligned. They are deformed, okay? Spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. I'm not going to say they're uh, deformed mentally. I think they are, are defective, absolutely. However, uh, they will give an account for what they're doing. So these doctrines, these damnable heresies, they are anti-scriptural. They're strictly man-made uh, by perverting or corrupting the Holy Word of God. Now, that is important. Some of us tend to say, well, eh, why is this so important? Because, you know, we just use another word. This is what Paul said. Paul says, we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. That's the same word, pervert. 
corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So doctrines that are taught by apostates, such as what we discussed over the, over the last two weeks, infant baptism, baptismal regeneration, work salvation, and predestination to or for salvation, i.e. Calvinism, are a cancer within the church, and for that matter, guys, in society, all right? Ultimately, it is the denying of the Lord Jesus Christ who bought them. And we need to understand that. Uh, it leads uh, to the treacherous ways of these, these apostates who privily enter in with damnable heresies. And they come in very slyly. That's what that word privily means. We spoke about that. Uh, they crept in unawares, Jews said. And so we spoke about that in the first week. It, it, it's likened unto that, to that crocodile, if you will. Have you ever watched one of the, uh, the shows I grew up watching? Uh, I think his name was John Hanna, I believe. And, and, it, and he would have the, the national, uh, you know, I don't know, National Geographic uh, shows. It had the wildlife. I know Daisy likes those. I like those shows. And I remember seeing the crocodiles. And I grew up in Florida with the alligators. And, and you know, all of a sudden they would be there in the water. And then all of a sudden they wouldn't be there in the water, you know? And that's the time you go, well, now I can't see them. I don't know where they are. It's time to leave, right? That's the same thing about creeping in, creeping unawares, come in privily. These, these men will come in, and women for that matter, but these men will come in. They will sneak in unawares. They'll come in and masquerading as sheep, but inside they are ravening wolves, and they bring in these damnable heresies, locking souls into a damnation for eternity. So we cover the false doctrines, and guys, I understand there are other false doctrines. I understand that. If you look at the foundational errors in certain churches today, in many churches today, they will almost all of them align with the four areas of apostasy that we spoke about last week. Their grave errors are going to be baptismal regeneration, either be an infant or sprinkling or adulthood, whatever it may be, either one of those things, okay? are going to be have their foundation in the wrong method, motive, and meaning of baptism, okay? Work salvation. All religions in this world outside of true biblical Christianity is based on a work that mankind will do, okay? They are all false. They are wrong. So false doctrines as well as, or so false religions as well as pseudo-Christian religions as well. Predestination is probably one of the, 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 the greatest traps that we find today, it reared its ugly head. It has grown exponentially over the last decade, uh, both here in the United Kingdom and in the United States and throughout the world. Uh, it is a damnable heresy. It is a diabolical damnable heresy to believe that one soul is predestined for heaven, thus leaving another soul predestined for hell. We covered that very clearly last week. We've covered it in the false teaching of Reformed theology. Uh, you know, I got emails from guys saying, well, I don't think you really quite understand. I understand it clearly enough, okay? I understand it very clearly. The predestination is a devil's doctrine, okay? And if you believe that, if you believe that you were chosen and that you did not have the free choice uh, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by the moving of the Holy Spirit of God, I don't believe you're saved, period, all right? Uh, you know, be not high-minded. High-minded is, is a vile sin, Paul speaks about. And he says, be not high-minded. For you to think that you were chosen from the foundation of the world over somebody else, you're high-minded. Amen? You know, take heed where you stand, lest ye fall. Now, some may ask, and I've had some people kind of write in and ask these questions, uh, you know, because of what I covered in the past two weeks. Um, why, why, why am I not covering false teachings as well, such as Buddhism and Islam and Hinduism and, and, and all these things? Guys, you know, Peter makes it very clear. Peter, Peter makes a statement. He says, they, there shall be false teachers among you, okay, in verse 1. Uh, guys, he, he's referring to the body of Christ, the church of God. These false teachers that are, are masquerading as Christians, not as Buddhists, not as, you know, Islamists, not that. Okay, so, so guys, I don't need to cover those things. They, they, don't, they don't act like they're Christians, okay? They're false religions, yes, but they don't act like they're Christians, Paul or Peter is speaking of false teachers among you, among those who are masquerading as Christians. So let's get back at it today, if you will. So the next part of verse 1, which is the final part uh, that we look at, reveals the consequence of a false teacher. Now, guys, I'm going to say this to you here on the onset. You, you, you will make a choice in your life one way or another. You can't say, well, I'm just not going to choose at all. No choice is a choice no. Do you understand that? 
Everybody has a choice. What you cannot choose are the consequences in your life. All right, if you choose not to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is rejecting Jesus Christ. Say, not, you know, the answer, you know, you don't have to say no, you just don't have to say anything at all. All right, and therefore you can't choose the consequence. The consequences is eternity in hell's flames, okay? So there, you know, there are, you can't choose the consequences, but you can choose, all right? False teachers have made a choice in their life, and the consequence to their choice, the Bible says, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. It didn't say God brought upon them. Why? They made a choice to become. You're going to see this at the close today, how they made a choice. And therefore, because they made a choice to be a false teacher, God's making the choice for the consequences they brought upon themselves. I want you to look at a verse real quick in 2 Peter 2. I want you to skip down and look in the first part of verse 12. Now, again, we're, we're relating this in verse 1, the close of verse 1, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. But look in verse 12. It says, but these, all right, remember, I told you that false teachers are referred to them, they, and these. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed. Now think about this for just a second. Look exactly where we are here. We find these false teachers are, Peter's saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, saying they are good for nothing but to be destroyed. And I know that's going to go over like a lead balloon in our lily white little society today. The Holy Spirit likens them to brute beasts made to be slaughtered. That's what he says they are likened. Jude says the same thing in verse 10 of his letter. It's on the screen. He says, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brood beast in, the, in, uh, in those things, they corrupt themselves. Both Peter and Jude state the false teachers, number one, speak evil about things they know not, all right? And he calls them brute beast. You may wonder, what they are speaking evil about to the things that they understand not. I'm going to give you a good test today. Here is a good test of an apostate. Do they understand or do they reject, meaning speak evil of, biblical soul authority for faith and practice, two ordinances, baptism with its proper meaning, method, and motive. All right? Just because somebody quote-unquote baptizes doesn't mean they're correct. What is the meaning? What is the method? What is the motive? Sprinkling is not a baptism, never has been, never will be, and the Lord's table, and the same thing, meaning, method, and motive, all right? Do they hold those things to be true? The two offices, pastor and deacon, and they're men, by the way, the autonomy of the local church, priesthood of believers, saved church membership, individual soul liberty, and eternal security, all right? Good test to an apostate today is whether or not a person will speak evil of these things right here because they don't understand them. They say, well, preacher, I just can't understand how someone can be eternally saved. The Bible says you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let me ask you a question here real quick. If you mail a letter, you guys remember back in those old days when we used to write or type letters out and put them in those little white things called envelopes, and then you'd either have to lick or wet, and wet the, the, the glue on it, and you'd stick it down. Y'all remember those? Um, some of you do, some of you don't. But, you know, we would seal that thing, wouldn't we? We would seal it, and it'd be mailed off. And then we would get it in, and then what we do? We would open up the letter, and we would read it. That letter was sealed. The time it was opened was when it arrived the recipient. This is no different with salvation. We are sealed under the day that we are bought back, under the day that we put away this flesh, we put on the glorified body. We are sealed. You can't do anything about it. The envelope's not unsealing itself, do you understand? Sealed under the day of redemption. So if any of these things that you see right there are rejected, if they're taught contrary against, much less spoken evil of, mark it down, it's going to be performed by an apostate. Not someone who's just confused, not someone who just doesn't understand, they don't understand for a particular reason, because they have rejected the truth of the Holy Spirit, Scripture of God. Now, again, we're going to go back to what Peter and Jude refer to these, these um, apostates, these false teachers as, he calls them brute. 
The word brute mean, is defined as a, a destitute of reason, contrary to reason, absurd is the third definition of the word brute. The word appears only two times in your AV, 2 Peter 2, all right, um, verse 12, and then Jude 10, all right, these brute beasts. It comes from a Greek word, um, alagos, all right, alagos. And it is only in the Bible one other time, found in Acts 25, verse 27, when Felix is making his little spiel about Paul before King Agrippa, saying, I thought it was unreasonable, you know, to, to send a man, to condemn a man who, you know, has nothing against him, and he appealed to Caesar. But I wanted him to see you, Agrippa. He gave a little spill there. He used this same word. But the other two times, it's, it's translated into brute, referring to false teachers, unreasonable, absurd, contrary to reason. Think about it like this. I want, you, I want you to think about when you think about these false teachers, and you have to get the imagery in your head correct, when, when Peter and both Jude say that they are as brute beasts made to be destroyed. Think about a raging bull, guys, uh, running throughout a city. There's no reasoning with it. Uh, you know, you can't coexist with that beast. You're not going to coax him into calmness. Uh, you know, he, what's going to happen is that, that brute beast is going to run through that city with its horns, with its raging personality, and it's going to kill innocent souls. The only recourse that you have with a raging bull running around to save people's lives is to put it down. That is what Peter is saying. Matter of fact, that's what the Holy Spirit of God is having Peter write and Jude. Both Peter and Jude are saying the same thing about false teachers. All right? In their day as well as ours today. And guys, I understand, it may, that may sound quite harsh in our soft-minded society we live in today. But the reality is, guys, these apostates are slaying souls of men and women by the millions. 155,000 people die every single day in our world the majority of them are dying lost by one account 2.4 billion belong to one particular religious organization the catholic church now i believe personally i believe there are catholics that are saved somehow some way they've gotten saved but they've gotten saved according to the exception of what their church teaches not the reasoning and I believe there are some independent Baptists in churches today that are lost as a day of long. But they are the exception, not, uh, exception to the rule. They're not lost because of the teaching. The Catholic Church is the opposite. You see, they get saved as an exception to what their church teaches, their organization. If you're holding to the doctrine that is taught by the Catholic Church and or the Church of England, if you hold to that doctrine verbatim, you are not saved. You say, well, preacher, you can't judge. The Scripture judges. I read, your, I read the doctrine to, to you guys the last two weeks. The pledge, you know, anybody that goes before that christening pledges their allegiance to the Holy Catholic Church. Spell with a K. So, if, 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 that's not the, if that's not the reputation that they want to set forth in society, then change what you're reading out in your baby christenings and all that. Okay? Peter and Jude both say they are as brute beasts, and they're slaying men and women. And the truth is, guys, you know, in Jude's letter, I tell you what, I, I told you I wasn't going to have you turn. I, I wasn't going to. I wasn't planning on it. But just turn over a couple pages. Look at Jude just real quick. I want you to see this verse. I actually preached from this verse a couple of weeks ago. Jude, Jude's letter, as much as it lines up with 2 Peter chapter 2, it's an unintended warning. Jude had a desire to write um, to, to the church and to us um, of the common salvation. Verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. He said, It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith. That word, those two words, earnestly contend, come from a, uh, the Greek word. They only appear in Jude 3, and it means to struggle for a thing, to agonize. Jude wanted to write and say, look, I wanted to write of the joy of being saved and born again and how wonderful it is, how great it is. Man, I wanted to just encourage you to, and have fellowship and sweet fellowship with you and all of this. That's what I wanted to write. But as I, I got the pen to parchment, the Holy Spirit of God intervened and it was needful for me to, to, earnestly, to, to encourage you, exhort you to earnestly contend, to agonize over the doctrine that we've been given. 
you, you have to pay close attention when words only appear for a few times. There's a uniqueness, there's a significance made with those words. And that earnestly contend, that Greek word right there, only occurs here in Jude 3. So you may be thinking today about thinking that Peter and Jude are harsh, referring to false teachers and me as well, as apostates or as brute beasts, as they put it, meant and needed to just be destroyed. You may think, man, listen, in your heart, this is what you may say. And I know that you're tempted to do because, you, because of human nature. You're saying, why can't we just win them? Why can't we just teach them? Why can't we just educate them to the truth? It's because, guys, they do not believe and they're not going to believe. They are unteachable souls. They've met, I've mentioned it before, but these people have crossed God's deadline. And here's why we know that to be an absolute fact. God uses certain, the Holy Spirit of God in both of these letters uses certain comparisons to, remember we're talking about swift destruction today. We're closing verse 1. The swift destruction and why and how they were destroyed, he uses these comparisons with these false teachers, and that's how we know. Jude 5, this is the comparison given there. Jude 5, speaking of these false teachers, this is what the Lord illustrates in verse 5. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward <coughs> destroyed them, what's those next three words? That believed not. Okay? What did he do? He destroyed them. What are these brute beasts meant? What are they, they meant for? They're made to be taken and destroyed. Why? Because they believe not. And these are those who came out of Egypt, guys. They saw the miracle. They heard the words, and yet they still did not believe. They had the greatest experience under the face of the planet. We sit back and we say today, well, you know, if God just showed me something, I'd believe. We have educated idiots out there, you know, close to us as, as we speak right now, who says, well, if I could just see something, I would believe. No, you wouldn't. No, you would not. The thousands that saw the, uh, the ten plagues, they saw the, uh, the, the staff turn into a serpent and back again. The, the dead sea, the manna from heaven, the, the, the bitter water turned to sweet. They still didn't believe. And God destroyed them because they didn't believe. What was the result? They got destroyed. And we go back to it. Look at it. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14, verses 26 through 30 to start out with. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me, saying unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken to mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. Now we look at Numbers chapter 16 and verses 32 um, and onward. And the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up, the Bible says. And their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods. Verse 40 says, And to be a memorial unto the children of Israel, that no stranger, which is not the seed of Aaron, come near to the offer of the incense uh, before the Lord, and he be, uh, that he be not as Korah and as his company, as the Lord said to him by the hands of Moses. Verse 41, but on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron uh, came before the tabernacle of the congregation, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among the congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces, and Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on the incense. And it says, Go quickly, go quickly, unto the congregation to make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. 
And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague uh, was begun among the people. And he put it on the incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stayed. And they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died about the matter of Korah. These are the people that God led out of Egypt. These are the people that saw the miracles. These are the people that saw all these things. But God destroyed them for one reason, because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. I understand, guys. I know we look at this and we say, wait a second. Can I just take that vicar down the road that, that believes in uh, uh, you know, sprinkling babies and be- doesn't believe in eternal security and believes in predestination and, and all these and good works uh, for salvation? Uh, can I just sit down with, and can I just, you know, as, as God said in Amos, come now, let us reason together? The answer is no, you can't because they're as brute beasts. They're unreasonable. Their doctrine is absurd. Do you understand? Guys, I would love to be able to do that. I would love, like nothing else, like you can imagine, to see these people converted, born again, depart from the false doctrine and teaching of their organization and get into a Bible-believing church and serve God faithfulness and fullness. But I'm telling you here, Peter's made it clear, there will be false teachers among you, and they're made to be destroyed. Look in verse in uh, Jude 6 from the screen. Another contrast that is used here, Jude chapter 6. And the angels was kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in, in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Guys, this is a direct reference. Now pay attention here very clearly. This is a direct reference to the, the sons of God of Genesis chapter 6, who procreated with the daughters of men, giving birth to horrible creatures, monsters, if you will. Genesis 6 tells us in verse 2 and and then verses 4 and 5, it tells us uh, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them uh, wives, all which um, which they chose. Verse 4, and there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And you say, well, wait a second, preacher. Jude and Peter are likening the false teachers, the brute beast, who speak evil against the ways of God, who teach false and erroneous damnable heresies, who crept in unawares, who privily shall come in, He's likening them to the very sin of Genesis chapter 6. Those giants in the land. These ain't giants like Goliath, nine and a half feet tall. These are 20 plus foot giants. These are grotesque creatures, men of renown. That word men of renown, that phrase comes from a Hebrew word pronounced same, but S-E-M is spelled. It means infamous, reputation means glory. These angels, these sons of God, are bound in chains today, awaiting an hour that they were prepared for from the foundation of the world to serve with a purpose. Revelation chapter 9, verses 14 and 15 says, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates, and the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of the men. They're still going to serve their purpose that God intended them to do, and then they're going to enter into that great day of their judgment. They've just lost 4,000 some odd years of worshiping and glorifying God Almighty. Why? Because they left the first estate. Afterwards, they're going to be judged and cast into the lake of fire. Now think about it. Think about this. Stay with me on this. I don't want to lose you on this point. The sons of God at Genesis 6, God is, Holy Spirit of God is comparing false teachers of our day. Now let's make sure we categorize them correctly. God is comparing those that get up into the pulpit and teach Calvinism. Teach and hold to Calvinism or Augustinism, whichever we want to call it, they're the same who get up and, and perform infant baptisms by the thousands per year and recite, have a recitation of a man-made prayer 
allowing someone else to make a proclamation of salvation for an infant who cares nothing more but to eat, sleep, and, and, and fill their nappy. That infant doesn't know one thing, heads or tails. The Holy Spirit of God is comparing those people to the very souls that said every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The apostates among us today are being likened to the angels of Genesis 6. The apostates among us today are being likened unto the souls where they didn't care about anything. The only thoughts and the only thing, the images created in their mind was pure evil all the time. Now, you may be sitting here going, that is quite harsh, preacher. That's quite Bible, people. That right there is nothing more but pure, unadulterated, un, uh, unvoided, uh, inerrant, holy scripture. That's what that is. And we need, to, we need to recognize that fact. Because souls are in danger, guys. Souls are being cast into a devil's hell every single day because they have bought into the false teachers. We have this imagery in our mind that we think false teachers are walking around looking evil and looking wicked and they got that, that crooked smile and, and they just look like the guy, I don't know, the, uh, the guy on the side of the street, shady. They're not looking like that. Do you think the devil, when the devil showed up in the Garden of Eden, do you think he was grotesque, wicked, frightful? No. If he wasn't something appealing to look at, she'd have never went over there. If he looked like something that was going to eat her, which was unknown at that time, obviously, because sin was in the world, you think she'd... No, he was welcoming, more subtle than any beast of the field. So you think the apostates today that crept in unawares, if somebody walked through the back door right there and they look like the devil incarnate, we're going to know they're here, aren't we? But when they come in... Oh, how you doing, Miss Daisy? You're looking so good today. You did such a good job on playing that organ. Miss Denise, your hair looks just wonderful. Oh, Miss Bailey, you just seem so happy. Daniel, you're doing such a good work. That's how it works. Welcome, everyone. So glad you decided to join us today. We're going to have our choir sing about nine songs, and then I'm going to give you a nine-minute sermonette on what my, my Archbishop of Canterbury, who's a pervert, uh, I'm going to get I'm going to tell you what he said for me to speak to you today about works and how good your life can be. Yeah. That's how it works. And it kills me how Christians and I mean real Christians are so foolish. And not taking a stand on the right words of God. Grow a backbone. Be willing to fight for what you believe. Eternity's at stake. Jude 7 tells us this, again, the same thing. He says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here again, yet another comparison. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed along with the cities of the plain. They, they were destroyed. They were the prettiest cities of all Israel, maybe all the world. I heard one preacher likened it unto the Switzerland of their day. Remember Israel, the Bible tells us that Israel was a land that flowed with milk and honey, right? Yet its beauty, the uh, bustling uh, uh, commerce, its beneficiaries were utterly destroyed there in Sodom because of their wicked ways. Remember Lot and Abram? Abram said, hey, you know what? You look at, you go where you want to go, whatever direction you go in, I'll go in the opposite direction. And Lot pitched his tent. He looked over there at Sodom. He goes, that's where I want to be. Why do you think he looked at Sodom and was so drawn to it? Because it was a beautiful place. So back to the question, why don't we try to win the apostates? Why don't we just educate them? Guys, the people of Sodom, had angels come and witness to them. They not only rejected them, but they wanted to have their way with them. Unimaginable perversions. Giving themselves over, the Bible says, giving themselves over to fornication. This statement comes from the Greek word ekporneo, okay? Which literally is defined as to go a whoring. 
So Jude is referring this this Greek word because it's it's a Greek word there, uh, which means to go hoarding, uh, giving themselves over to fornication. That whole thing is comes from one compound Greek word, ekporneo. Okay, now I want you to pay attention here, guys. We're 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 just about yeah. We'll be we'll finish off this morning. So you stay with me. Now watch this, fornication. All right, comes from the Greek word porneo. All right, which comes from another Greek word. It's it's derivative porne. And so we get our Greek word, porne, we get our, our English word, harlot. All right? All right? Now, that's linked to another Greek word called pornos, uh, which we get our English word, whoremonger. All of them are linked to what we use today, pornography. All that is is, all that is, is fornication, harlotry, and whoremongery into imagery. Remember, let's go back to Genesis 6 in our mind, where the imagine, their imaginations was evil continually, the created images in their mind. You understand today? This word ekporneo, back to it. So this is what Jude, in Jude there's a difference, whereas all of these other ones are singular words, pornos, porne, and all that. Ekporneo is a compound word. Uh, it's a compound word. All of them have the same derivative but it means more than just fornication, as if that's not wicked enough in and of itself. In Jude, it literally means to go a-whoring. In other words, guys, to go on the hunt or the prowl. False teachers are, com- are, are compared. Their wickedness is compared to the hunt or the prowl of fornication that was committed in Sodom that resulted resulted in the destructions of those cities. There's another step here to consider, though. The, this word, ekporneo, indicates a lust that glutes itself or satisfies itself. That word glute means excessive or abundant supply. It's where we get the word glut, or the glut, not glute, uh, glut, gluttony. It's the same place we get that word. You see, they were prideful, guys. They were prideful about their sin of fornication. They boasted themselves. They were proud of what they were. Genesis chapter 6, we find uh, the sons of God looked on the daughters of men and took them as wives. You reverse it by the time these two angel men walk into Sodom. Now the men are trying to have their way with the angels, the sons of God perversion to the nth degree now i want you to stop there for just a second watch this isaiah chapter 9 i mean isaiah chapter 3 verse 9 the show of their countenance doth witness against them and they declare their sin as sodom they hid it not woe unto their soul for they have rewarded evil unto themselves watch this ezekiel 16 verse 49 write them down in your margins Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Uh, Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. So now the modern versions have turned and twisted of what the sin of Sodom actually was. The left-wing apostates say that, well, it was pride was the only sin of Sodom. No, you better check yourself on that because, guys, it was the pride concerning their open fornication was their sin utterly vile do you understand so then after their fornication was not satisfied their lasciviousness kicked in we've read about that about lasciviousness jude uses the word lasciviousness speaking of these false apostles i mean i'm sorry these false teachers and then they go into the prowl they go hunting prey strange flesh the bible says they become prideful in the fornication, men with men, etc. The depth of their vile of the vile acts of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities they're playing are probably unknown. But pay attention here, if you will. I assure you, they're being copied today, many times, openly and publicly. And here's what is even the saddest part of it all: it's being praised and soon to be taught in our schools. It's child abuse. Whoever wrote the curriculum to to teach transgenderism in a primary school should go to jail. They should go to prison because I guarantee you they are nothing more than a closet pedophile. I promise. Who in their right mind wants to teach a five-year-old sex education of any kind 
Don't give me the excuse, well, mom and daddy aren't doing it. Don't give me that excuse. Perverts, guys. It's a society we're living in. Now, I didn't, now you think, I, I didn't sidetrack here. We're talking about the perversions. We're talking about the judgment, swift destruction that God brought upon that land, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain, that he brought upon the, the then world in Genesis chapter 6, that he brought upon uh, the Jews or the Israelites that came out of Egypt who believed not. All three of those things are compared to the judgment, the swift judgment, the swift destruction that's going to come upon false teachers. And so we should just sit back and get along. We want to try to educate them. God says no. You call them out. Call them out what they are. Jude and Peter liken the apostates, false teachers, as brute beasts who are dangerous and vile. They are as vile as the wickedness which God destroyed cities for and bound angels as a result of their sinful acts. So let's lock up the verse here this morning. We'll be done. Swift destruction is what the Bible says. Swift destruction for those per, who pervert the word of God. Paul made it abundantly clear. This is when I ask you to turn. Turn over to Galatians chapter 1 with me real quick. It'll be the last time we'll be done here this morning momentarily. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1. Read with me here. Now again, let's stop for just a second. Don't look. Don't read yet. Now, we're, we're addressing swift destructions of the false teachers. I've said some pretty harsh things. Peter and Jude have said some pretty harsh things. And in the back of our mind, we're like, why don't we just love them? Why don't we just win them? Why don't we just educate them? Why don't we just teach them? And I tell you, Peter, and, Peter was t- spoken to by the Holy Spirit of God. Jude was spoken to by the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul was spoken to by the Holy Spirit of God. And all three of them agree these are unteachable These are reprobate. They are apostates. Never saved and never will be saved. They have had the opportunity. They have rejected. They've ridiculed it. And now they're trying to replace the word of God with their false and perversive perversive teaching. They are corrupting the word of God. They come up with man mind, 39 articles of faith, da-da-da-da-da. They come up with all these different things that are false and are sending souls to a devil's hell. So here's what Paul says. Galatians 1, verse 6 through 9. Paul writes back a bit of a rebuke in verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. There's only one. But there be some that trouble you. Here's some of those false teachers. What do they do? Who would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that which, ye have, uh, which we have preached unto you, watch this, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. That word accursed comes from the word anathema, which means a devoted thing to God without hope of being redeemed, to be slain, Therefore, a person or a thing doomed to destruction. How's that for your grace this morning? Let me back up for the perverts. How's that for your irresistible grace? Guys, first off, Peter and Paul are two of the greatest Christians who ever lived. I I think Paul's the greatest man of God that's ever walked the face of this planet. Peter, great, what a great man of God who walked the face of this planet. God used these men by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to teach us the judgment against those who are apostates, who are false teachers, who are teaching another gospel. Paul is telling you, if any man teach another gospel, They are damned, doomed. They are without hope. It doesn't matter what we feel. You may be sitting here disagreeing with me, and there's people online that probably will. I don't care. I don't care because I'm going to agree with the Scriptures. Again, what was that first test that we had? The biblical soul authority for faith and practice. 
If you teach another gospel other than saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast, you are accursed. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 22, Paul says, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, anathema maranatha. Cursed when Jesus Christ comes back. Maranatha means our Lord cometh. So let's close verse 1 in 2 Peter chapter 2 this morning. Swift destruction, the damage of those who deny and seek to destroy the word of God. And I mentioned it before, they have crossed God's deadline. And now you say in your hearts, hang on, how do we know there's a deadline? Romans chapter 9 verse 18, write it in the margin of your Bible, write it upon the table of your heart. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will hardeneth. This is in relation to Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart, remember. Now, we know multiple times afterwards, God hardened his heart, but Pharaoh had an opportunity. Exodus chapter 5, Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2 says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord. Neither will I let Israel go. Done. Sealed his fate. But preacher, God came back and, and heart, yep, but he gave him a chance. Pharaoh had a chance. After that, God hardened his heart, done and dusted, reprobate, apostate, he's finished. There is no salvation for Pharaoh from that point forward. He could have had an opportunity. He could have said, you know what, great, hey, go ahead, man, that'd be wonderful. Can I join in on this? Who knows what the outcome could have been. But he didn't. And from that moment forward, when Pharaoh hardened his heart, God said, I'm done. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy on, but I'll harden who I have hardened. And these apostates, guys, who have stood up in pulpits, who have sprinkled babies, who have taught baptismal regeneration, Alexander Campbell and all the Campbellites, these apostates who have taught a work religion, you do good things and, and you'll get to heaven. These, these guys who have taught Calvinism, predestination of salvation, I'm saying it now, I'll say it to you, I'm saying it very clear. They are apostates and they probably have their opportunity to be saved at one time. And then from there, if they harden their heart, God said, hey, I'm done. You're an apostate, you're nothing more than a brute beast made and meant to be destroyed. So beloved, I'm sitting here telling you this this morning. Because we need to understand that God has given us a perfect book to understand a perfect salvation, to understand a perfect redemption so that we may be perfectly reconciled, that we have one meteor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That is the scripture, not the council of Nicaea. That is the perfect word of God, not the council of Trent, not the 39 articles. Not a dude in a, in a dress standing back here in a long flowing gown. Holy Scripture, that's your, that's your sole authority right there. Anything outside of that, let it be accursed. Anything outside of that, they're an apostate. It's that simple this morning, beloved. There are apostates among us. It was prophesied. It was written down. They're among us today, and they're going to continue to be among us. But I'm here to tell you now, we need to take a stand on the precious Word of God because souls are at stake. Just because the apostates are teaching doesn't mean all the people are following. We need to pray that people get out, they abandon these places, their souls may be tender, the Holy Spirit of God may touch their heart and mind to be saved and gloriously born again, then live for the Lord Jesus Christ. You bow your heads this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity and time to be together today. I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for the, the, the Holy Scripture that we can stand on firmly today without doubt, without regret and just trust you in all things lord i love you i ask you to bless the rest of this week dear god give us safe travel mercies help us have a productive and wonderful day we glorify you and all we do and say in jesus name amen
Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I, I do hope and pray the pre- sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification, to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Abraman. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. If today was the last day you were alive, if today by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment for mankind is death. Romans 6.23 clearly tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what what would stop you right here, right now, for bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. Hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.